Rewind with Oshin Langan. The header from King, back to Gray, back out to Allwinder. Oh, and he scored within seconds of being brought onto the field by Ranieri. Leicester force once he did. In my opinion, uh, Tottenham will win all the matches. And then, for us, it's important to make five points now. We need five points. Well, I think in general, in Gaelic games, it's hard for the big man to get freeze. Kieran certainly doesn't get freeze. Look, we've seen that's gone on for a couple of years, and it is it is a feature going back to last year's All Ireland final again today. I would I wouldn't concur that uh, at all. Uh, two one pars there, uh, two sideline officials and the, and the referee. So I thought the boys are very disciplined actually. And I hit all over and tear and won the Division 3 Indian Football League final. A superb victory. What a performance. The Banner Roars for Clare Football. This is the Rewind on News Talk. What a weekend it was for Dublin and Clare, both capturing their respective Alliance League titles. Loud and Tyrone also winners. More from the Banner soon. You just heard from their captain, Gary Brennan. Uh, that's the only... English language part of the speech the rest was made Osquilga and it was very 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 passionate from a very very passionate footballing man a good club hurler as well we're told anyway we'll have more on that a little bit later also we look ahead to next Sunday's Allianz League hurling final between Waterford and Clare Leicester laughed off the pressure and beat Swansea 4-0 while Arsenal's Champions League spot could be in a bit of bother after a scoreless draw away to Sunderland off the ball covered both live as usual we'll hear shortly from Paddy Mulligan on the Premier League FA Cup Champions League and their Tristity League first though it's GAA Tomas Quinn and Wishy Fogarty to come but first the aftermatch thoughts of Dublin's Jim Gavin and Kingdom boss Eamon Fitzmaurice Dublin obviously beating a carry 218 to 13 points in Sunday's Allianz League football final um Fitzmaurice wasn't happy with the referee's treatment of Kieran Donaghy yesterday and even as far back as the All-Ireland final. Uh, Let's hear from him regarding that and the performance at large. Look, of course, we're disappointed to lose by such a a big margin. But, um, you know, look, the the better team won in the day. We, we, We competed well for you know, 50 minutes maybe and in fairness to Dublin, they overpowered us in the last in the last quarter of the game as they can do with their, their bench and the subs that they brought on, the goals they got but um, overall I thought we made a decent contest of it for a while but to be fair to Dublin, they always looked in control It was always going to be about who could work the space better, who could get it to their danger men and get the shots away. When Aiden was sent off, they obviously had the advantage because they quite simply had an extra man. Before I ask you about the end of the game the last 20 minutes I want to ask you about the actual sending off itself what did you make of it uh, did you see it I'm not sure no I didn't see it um, look Aidan got a red card and that's it so once you get a red card you have to you know as a group we just accept it and we try to adapt and I think in fairness our lads that they they battled very hard in the immediate aftermath of the red card but um, you know Dublin just have so much power that it's it's a tough job beating them with 15 it's it's more difficult with 14 and uh, they just ground it out and in the end like I said their power and the sub they brought on helped him to finish off the job he found it hard to get Cullum into the game and we saw Kieran going into full forward trying to win ball and he, in fairness he broke a lot of ball but he couldn't really do much with it and we saw him out around midfield so you tried a couple of things but how frustrated are you that Cullum couldn't get into the game what do you put that down to? Yeah, like look uh, you have days when that happens I think in fairness to Kieran you know we played him out the field for a lot of the league because he finds it very hard to get freeze inside you know there's a lot of stuff that goes on off the ball when, before the ball comes in at all and we saw it again today um, so the ball ended up spilling a lot and we didn't pick up the brakes Dublin were sharper in the brakes in fairness after that so um, look we tried things some things worked some things didn't work 
that happens. Um, we look now to, to the championship. We look to improve. We're disappointed that we didn't win today, but it's not the end of the world. We've had a good league. Uh, we found you know, a lot of positive aspects during the league, and it's a matter now of trying to go and uh, bring some of that to the championship and improve again. Is that a big issue, Kieran, being tugged off the ball and stuff off the ball? You mentioned it there that refs aren't calling it at the moment. Well, I think in general, in Gaelic games, it's hard for the big man to get frees, but uh, Kieran certainly doesn't get frees. Look, we've seen that's gone on for a couple of years, and it is it is a feature going back to last year's All Ireland final again today. He finds it very hard to get frees. Um, like I said, it's part of the reason we decided to play him out the field to give him a bit of a lease of life. So it's one of those things, and it's just a thing that we we know is an issue, and we just have to deal with it. Is it because you think the rest maybe think he can give as good as he gets? It probably is. It probably is, yeah. But um, a foul's a foul. He's a great player, and he's playing. He's been playing fantastic uh, throughout the league for us. And uh, even before half time, there, you know, he he created one score, and he was unlucky not to get. Uh, uh, you know, he won another ball and a very soft free out was given. So when you look at the freeze that he can't get and a soft free like that going against him, of course it's frustrating. But uh, he did, he did, he caused consternation. But I, at the same time, you have to give massive credit to Dublin because um, even with balls that went in the second half, dangerous balls that broke around the place, they swept them up very well and they coped very well with the threat. Just before I let you go, this is obviously something that people are going to focus on. Your comments after the game that Kieran can't get freezes as easily as other players obviously it's something you've thought about is it something you've fed back to officials because I mean, you know there's going to be an effect from this no no it's not something sure look I mean the ref is there and they do their best it's not something how can you feed it back there isn't a mechanism to do that so it is what it is Jim four league titles in a row for Dublin you must be happy with having the trophy once again but also the performance yeah that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the key to it all really is the, is the performance that's what we, we strive to, to go after um, wasn't that consistent over the 70 minutes but enough to I suppose to get the job done today, and, and uh, you know, carry Dublin games are always you know, unique occasions. And anytime you come away in the game after beating Kerry, it's been it's been a hard one, and we're just uh, happy with the result. An unusual kind of game in the fact that there was a full house, mm-hmm. there was a trophy at stake. It was a Kerry Dublin game, but you don't want to give too much away, and they don't want to give too much away. It was kind of intense at times, but not intense from minute one to minute seventy. So, did you find it like, like a strange kind of occasion? Uh, yeah, I think if, if, if you ask any, any, any sets of players there, they'll be, they'll be well fatigued from that workout and it's probably as, as close a championship as you're going to get, but it's not a championship and we all understand that, both sets of teams understand that. Um, and, but they're games that you do want to win, they're, 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 um, you want to put your best foot forward and uh, don't think anybody likes losing. Um, so from our perspective, we just went out after the performance and, and we understand that if we can get that, we'll, we'll beat their best in the end of any game. He handled everything that Kerry threw at you mm. quite well, including when Kieran Donaghy went up front and they played a high ball to him and Colin Cooper wasn't in the game for a lot of it. You might tell us a bit about that from your point of view. Yeah, you know, you know Kerry have so many threats. They have, um, you know, they've added lots of the game plan. They're, they, they, um, they've they added a, a defensive dimension. It's unusual to see all the Kerry players behind the ball, but that's, I suppose, the way the game has evolved. Um, and up front, you know, they have... Six scoring forwards, they can have support uh, runners from the back. They can score as well. So there's, they've m- multiple threats, multiple formations. Kieran as the point man um, uh, can can uh, you know certainly ask teams a lot of questions, and he's demonstrated uh, you know his metal hall how, how effective he has been in that role. And uh, but I thought our, our Dublin defence uh, were very disciplined in what they did. Um, they they managed it and managed to break down very well and and committed themselves to the to the ball. And um, you know we we will be satisfied with that, but. Um, there's no doubt we're going to see more of that I think during the summer Eamon has said to us that he thought Kieran was fouled a lot off the ball before the ball came to him today and 
throughout the league even but especially today what what do you make of that yeah, I would I wouldn't concur that at all you know um you know it is a physical contact sport you know bets sets, sets of forwards Dublin forwards and, and, and Kerry forwards had to work hard to get some space um and we want to see that physicality in our game and certainly from the Dublin perspective we don't want to lose that in, in our game and you know, we don't we don't want other teams to lose it either so I thought I said there was no freeze given uh, that I can recall and uh, the two one bars are there uh, two sideline officials and, and, the, and the referee so I thought our boys were very disciplined, actually. Is football now you attack and we attack, the way defences and the way... Oh, well, not defences, the way teams sit up. You have to break in numbers. You all have to sit deep and then break in numbers. And it was the same with the first game today. Is that is that the way football has gone? Um, well, from the Dublin perspective, you know, we, we are attack by the team and we'll attack at any opportunity we can get. That's the core philosophy of club football in Dublin and we're just carrying on that torch. So um, that, that won't change much. Um, whether you know defence is part of every every team strategy, I, I would think certainly at the elite level. So of course you have to defend if team attacks. Yeah, but attacks kind of start from deeper now. And it, sorry, this is not a criticism; it's just <coughs> an observation, and that it seems to be, to, to be the way that every team is doing it now. Yeah, well, we've always attacked from deep. You know, we expect our if if if, uh, if a corner back sees some space, then he exploits it, and if he gets a scoring opportunity, then he takes it. So that has always been part of our game plan uh, for many years. Um, yeah, but I, 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 it's good to see in the game. I think you know, supporters want to see attacking football. Uh, they don't see it behind the ball, and, and they, they, they enjoy the score. So um, yeah, we, we can continue to do that. So that's the view of the management speaking to the Rewind here on News Talk. Uh, the view from Kerry with Weeshi Fogarty to come shortly. But first, uh, ex-All Ireland winning forward with Dublin, Tomás Quinn. I started by putting it to him that Dublin were looking good even before. Aidan O'Mahony was sent off yeah I think so I think they were starting to push on in the second half and they were trying to find a bit of the space there and it looked like they were they were going to kick on anyway and I suppose once Aidan was, was dismissed it, it probably made their task a little bit easier it happened off the ball so we don't know exactly what went on but there was a little bit of niggle in that game you could see there was a tension between these two you can see that they're not particularly fond of each other it is a real rivalry although it's quite one-sided now it certainly is, yeah. There was a couple of matchups in particular. You look at the likes of Dennis Bassick and Kieran Donaghy and Philly McMahon and Colin Cooper. I think for the whole day they were they were pretty consistent in terms of going at each other. The, the, a couple and there was a couple others out there as well. And yeah, I think it's they're they're two very good teams. They're highly competitive, and you know I think it doesn't usually go over the line. And I, again, I didn't see what Aiden did, but he, the fact that he got a straight red, he'd been booked already, but I'm pretty sure it was a straight red. So it was obviously um, an incident that, that warranted that. Now Kerry have changed their tactics since the All Ireland final. They've looked at things. They've examined it. They move Paul Murphy, for example, and up into the up into the forward, so he can help back with the defence. Did it work today? Did it not work today? Were Dublin just just that bit better? Explain it to us. Yeah, I don't think it worked. Certainly not when you look at it in, in the call of the day. Dublin won. I think it was 11 points in the end. So you know, scoring 218 as well. So certainly something Eamon Fitzmaurice will have a look at. There were patches where they were, you know, they were um, solid defensively, and Dublin at times struggled in the first half to break through. But um, as the game wore on, you could see that space opening up. And, it, and Dublin are relentless. You know, they have a lot of pace coming through that middle third, and um, it's very hard for a team to keep them out for a full 70 minutes. This was an important win for Dublin. I know it's a league final, so it goes without saying. But even outside of that it was important for them to keep Kerry down and Kerry looked really dejected on that pitch after the game yeah I think so and you know this is a very, this is a special group of Dublin players you know you think that's four National League titles in a row and um, they're very aware in terms of the, the opportunity to stay in front of them to be, to be a really great team and you know how they prepare and how they perform and certainly when they come up against the likes of Kerry it's another opportunity to stay on top and that's something you saw there today yeah what of Kerry now I mean they look like a team who have a lot of work to do I look I'd be resilient to Writing off Kerry at this stage, but Dublin are very much on top. 
Yeah, they are. But I suppose if you're going to get a bit of feedback like that, you're better off getting it in April, you know. And they gives them gives them a kind of a platform now going into the summer to work on a couple of things and gives them that bit of bit of time to work on it. Like last year, they faced Dublin All Ireland final, and you've now come back after that. Whereas now they've got, you know, realistically they're going to be in an All Ireland quarter final come come to in August, and that's probably their next real real window that they're going to have to have a look at. So they have a bit of time to go back and, and review where they are and see what they can come back with. Did we see today that maybe they're not getting the best out of Gooch and they're not getting the best of Donahue because we saw Donahue all over the place but not really having a massive impact yeah no I think uh, Dublin definitely won the tactical matchups particularly with Philly McMahon and Colm Cooper again uh, Colm showed flashes of brilliance but again as a whole he's not having the influence that he would have had in previous years and you know Philly's driving forward and uh, Colm spent a lot of time chasing him and then Kieran was good in the first half around the middle third but then when they moved him into full forward he competed for a couple of high balls but even when he won one or two they didn't have much support underneath him so they'll definitely be the players and areas they're going to be looking to improve That was former Dublin footballer Tomás Quinn speaking to the Rewind here on News Talk Right let's talk with Wishy Fogarty of Radio Kerry Wishy uh, before we get your thoughts let's bring you the thoughts of Tomás O'Shea because I want to see if you agree or disagree he's been writing in the Irish Independent today he says I drove home from Crow Park with a storm raging inside my head last night because these dubs have me half depressed making hard judgments on old teammates isn't something that comes easy to me but for Kerry not to perform again against this team just struck me as inexcusable and it leaves me asking uncomfortable questions I thought that Kerry had learned tactically from last year's All-Ireland final but Dublin are just so forceful and relentless in what they're doing Kerry actually don't have the legs to stay with them how we were just a point behind when Aidan O'Mahony was sent off as a tribute to how hard the team worked but let's cut to the chase here Dublin are on a different level the dismissal was foolish on Aidan's part but he's been sailing close to the wind too often in my view I know he's a bit of a marked man but what he did was ridiculous basically ending the game I thought Brendan Keeley was having a howler on his kickouts long before he spooned one to Paul Flynn for Dublin's opening goal defensively we tried to do our best but my brother Mark wasn't at the races Mahoney wasn't at the races Fionn Fitzgerald wasn't at the races we're playing Mahoney as a sweeper and I don't think he's the man for that role the system might work against 30 other counties but it's against the dubs you'll ultimately get measured and against them it's not fit for purpose. Uh, Wishy, what do you make of what uh, Tomás has had to say there? That's just some of his article from the Irish Independent. Uh, would you agree with most of that? Not, not, would I, not would I agree with a lot of what he said, but I'd agree with everything he said, O'Sheen, because that, in actual fact, sums up my feeling about the whole thing. Uh, Dublin have beaten Kerry six times out of the last seven times they have met. And uh, every year it's, it seems to, every year it seems to get the, the 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 gap is widening. Now the big thing for Kerry going up uh, uh, Sunday was the big question in Kerry was how far have Kerry closed the gap in Dublin, or if they have closed it at all. Well, the answer coming away from Dublin is the gap has absolutely widened, and there was a lot of mistakes made. Uh, Mark O'Shea should have been moved up Brogan earlier, and the fact I'm coming to the conclusion now that the fact of playing some of the older players and letting them on the field, and taking off the young fellas, substituting uh, the younger players, and letting on the older players, I think there's an awful mistake. As a matter of fact, I'm now coming to the conclusion that if we meet Dublin in the Championship, you'll be better off to have the older, more elderly players on the line, and to bring them in in the closing stages, where Dublin are winning all their games, where the experience and the, and the heads can steady the proverbial ship. But Dublin are the better team, they're a great team, and I'd agree with everything that uh, the Tomás O'Shea said there he summed it up perfectly for me what do you think Eamon Fitzmaurice is trying to do is he trying to give these older players one last chance or is he holding some of the young fellas back or is it a case that 
we all thought we'd get a performance out of this Kerry team given what happened last September and given what's happened over the last couple of years between these two when they've met in, in the bigger games. But we didn't get that yesterday. It's, it's, a, it's a hard one to call. It's a hard one to call, but I think what happened in this situation is that the, 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 that the seven wins in the league that are behind us, they kind of gave a false sense of security. We all felt, going up to the National League final, and I'm sure that the Memphis Morrissey selectors felt the same, that given the fact that they were performing exceptionally well, winning those games against Donegal, against Roscommon, etc., that they were going to uh, give Dublin a good run for their money. But the fact remains now, and yesterday's game showed it more than ever, that this Dublin team is far ahead, far ahead of any other team. Kerry would be the nearest, the closest team to them. And look where they came yesterday, 11 points, the better team. Even though, Oisin, I don't think 11 points really was, 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 was the right scoring at the end. Because when uh, uh, Edna Mahoney had been sent off, and uh, that, that bad kick out there by Keeley, of course, uh, uh, Dublin missed the penalty. I think about six or seven points is between the teams at the moment. But they went up with a false sense of security and they were just cut out badly. It was as simple as that. And I still believe that bringing off the young fellas and leaving on the older fellas was a big mistake. Are there a few more young fellas there to start? Or do you think the starting 15 yesterday was close enough to what Kerry's championship starting 15 would be, with the exception maybe of Paul Ganey, who's coming back to fitness, and obviously James O'Donoghue? No, there's no doubt at all about it. James O'Donoghue will be back, and, and, and Maher will probably be back. They'll probably come back fresh, and they'll come back fit. Uh, Brendan O'Sullivan from Valencia was brought on yesterday. He has been brought on in all the league games and have, have performed exceptionally well. And I, for one, was, was disappointed that he wasn't started in the league final and see how good he really is. He's one young fellow that should come on. Uh, uh, Griffin was t- Matt Griffin was taken off yesterday. I thought he was having a very good game. He's a young fellow. Uh, uh, Pardig O'Connor uh, from my own club. He's a young man. He has a playing tremendous football here in Kerry. He's only just a sub all the time. Uh, Johnny Bucky will definitely, will, will definitely come back. And uh, uh, you'd have various players like that. And uh, I, I'm surprised, really, that he's sticking to the older players as much as what he is, O'Sheen. So I tell you, whether he has learned now from yesterday or not, and whether the selectors have learned, we'll have to wait and see. But the one thing, anyway, that stands out more than anything else, that this is a great Dublin team. I think we'd all agree with you uh, in those comments. Normally, if Kerry lose a league match or a league final or a game early in the year or they don't play overly well early in the season, be it early in the league or early in the championship, we say, this is Kerry, you know, let's not worry about them. They know how to time it. They have the experience. There does seem to be a bit of worry even within Kerry, though, about this particular bunch of players. Well, there's big worry. More so after yesterday's, uh, after yesterday's defeat now, Oisin, there's, there's, there's bigger worry. And talking to a lot of people since the game was over, people would be down and out and a bit depressed about the whole thing, even though you'll find the diehards and they'll tell you that there's a lot to learn and all of that. It looks like that mm. Kerry and Dublin might meet in August in the All-Ireland semi-final if Farham goes the way it is. Now, Emmerfis Morris and his selectors have a lot of big decisions to, be, to, 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 to make before then. And... Uh, Personally, myself, I don't think they're going to beat Dublin. I don't think they're good enough for Dublin. And it, it, it was like Groundhog Day in Croke Park for me yesterday. And I mentioned it in my commentary in Radio Kerry. With 10 minutes to go, I even said that this is what has happened in previous games. Will Dublin bring on their subs and will they run away from Kerry again? And that's exactly what they did. But the subs that Dublin are, are able to bring on, they are highly experienced subs. They are not just young subs. They are experienced subs. And... 
fit in seamlessly into the fabulous style of play that that Dublin that that they're capable of playing. But you know, Shane, the most frightening thing from a Kerry perspective, Dublin weren't great yesterday. I never saw Dublin give away as much possession and make as many mistakes as what they made yesterday. And they were forced into them, you can argue. Um, Kerry had Aidan O'Mahony sent off midway through the second half. So in many ways, were kind of none the wiser as to whether or not they would have been able to match Dublin for 70 minutes because in that period, Dublin ratcheted it up as they were always going to do. And obviously, when you're down to 14 men, it's very difficult to stop this Dublin team. I would say nigh on impossible. So there's many questions that we didn't get the answers to yesterday, even though, Wishi, and I think everyone accepts that Dublin looked the better throughout and would probably have gone on to win. But we're not sure. We don't know. The going off, the sending off of Aved uh, Nomahani, uh, it definitely affected Kerry, but it didn't affect the result. I think Dublin would have won the game by six or seven points. Now, uh, I taught myself and uh, that, that uh, Kieran Donaghy should have had a penalty later in the game. I taught in the All-Ireland final last year he should have a penalty. At, and both incidents happened at the Canal End. I thought he was fouled. There is no doubt in my mind. But the big, tall man inside in the square will not get the same decisions as a smaller player. If he's out the field and he gets and he's fouled in that respect, he will get the decisions all right out the field. But referees are not inclined to do it. However, that does not say that Dublin weren't going to win the game. A lot of people talking about Keeley's kick out that Dublin got the goal off of. But you must remember, at that stage, Dublin were piling on the pressure. And what I have noticed over their meetings with Kerry in the last 10 or 15 minutes, when they ratchet up uh, the, the, the pressure and when they start running at Kerry, Kerry are inclined to fold. And fellas are inclined to make mistakes. People will point out to mistakes, but I can tell you, they are enforced mistakes because the Dublin subs that are coming on some of the subs that are coming on are better than the yeah. fellas who started. You mentioned Kieran Donaghy not getting a couple of penalties in this game and, and the All-Ireland final and Eamon Fitzmaurice talked about it after the game that the big man doesn't get the freeze and Kieran Donaghy hasn't got freeze that he should have got over the last couple of games. First of all, well, I suppose you do agree with it. That was going to be my first question, but there's no need for it because you've already said you think he, he does get fouled and he doesn't get freeze. But the, the second part of that conversation, I guess, is do you think Eamon Fitzmaurice was right to say it publicly and does it pressure referees? I mean, obviously you were a referee, so so you can kind of put yourself into that frame of mind of a ref. Yeah, O'Shea, there's no doubt at all about it. He was right to say it and it certainly does put pressure on the ref. I was a referee myself for 20 years, refereed in Croke Park and stuff like that. And there is no doubt, uh, human nature being what it is, referees will definitely listen to what's been said and they'll probably discuss it at their meetings. And they'll probably look at DVDs of what is happening. Now, I'm not just saying about Tim Dunne. He should have got penalties. I said to you that big men inside in the square don't get the same protection. Mm. Not just Kieran Dunne. There is no doubt in my mind, but what, what Eamon Fismarris said will definitely have an effect one way or the other. I don't know what way it will happen on referees. So he, was right. so he was right to see it. But at the end of the day, Dublin are a far superior team than Kerry, a far superior squad, a far yeah. superior panel. They play beautiful football. They play an unstoppable, an unstoppable type of football. And Kerry conceded all the kickouts to, to Cluxton yesterday. And Cluxton's kickout, now people are saying, and rightly so, that Dublin wouldn't be winning all these games without Cluxton. So there's a huge debate there, but Dublin, great team. Just before I let you go, Wishy, is it an issue for Kerry that they're playing an alien brand of football or is this the way football has gone that 
you attack from deep, they attack, you attack, they attack, you attack. It's it's changed and that's it. And Kerry have to change with it. Or do you think that a lot of these players would be more comfortable if Kerry were in a quote-unquote more traditional style? No, I tell you, they beat Donegal two, three years ago there on the All-Ireland final. And the, the mantra is, if you, can't, if you can't beat them, join them. And that's exactly what Kerry did against Donegal. They had to cast away all their traditions of playing open football because the game has gone that way now, Washington, and Kerry have to follow that way. You can't play a completely open game if, you have, if you're facing 13 or 14 fellas behind the ball. But yesterday's game, now I thought there was a lot of open football in it, mind you, a good bit of open football. Yeah. And I thought that Dublin gave Kerry a lot of room, would you believe, in front of, in, in front of the goal. But the bottom line was, when it came to the last 10 or 15 minutes, Dublin ratcheted up the pressure, they brought on their subs, and the same thing happened as happened in the league earlier this year, and as happened in 2013, and, and, and happened in the other All-Ireland semi-final, because Dublin have the better footballers at the moment, and the players that come on, they are able to fit in seamlessly, they're a beautiful team, they have great football, and if they win the All-Ireland this year, they'll go down as the greatest Dublin team of all time. Wishy Fogarty, GA analyst and author. Thanks for joining us on the Rewind here on News Talk. I'm looking forward to hearing you tonight on Terrace Talk every Monday night on Radio Kerry. Wishy, thanks again. Not at all, Roshi. You're welcome. Bye-bye. So a bad weekend for Kerry, but a good one for Dublin, Tyrone and Louth, who all won their Alliance League finals. It's Clare, though, who were the standout performers after a great win over Kildare in the Division 3 decider on Saturday. 217 to 119, the final score. So where has this banner rise come from? And how far can it go? Sil O'Connor is Clare FM's GAA commentator and joins us now. Sil, uh, before we get your analysis, let's hear some of the vital moments from this game as described by your good self and former Clare under-21 manager, Joe Gary. And he wins the ball, coming to the goal! Oh! A superb goal! He's on the back of the net! Gary Brennan with Dufferin! Dean Roy just arrived in time and knocked to the back of the Kildare net! An opportunity now from Owen Cleary. What is what an opportunity as we approach the 76-minute mark. A huge opportunity to clear to nudge themselves ahead once more. And this more. ball is high. It's dropping in. And it's dropping over the bar. Clear going to the lead. In the middle of the field. Oh, that hit all over. And Clare have won the Division 3 Alliance Football League final. A superb victory. What a performance. As we look down to the right-hand side. 217 to 119. Joe, absolutely top class. Absolutely, just the soul thrill for the players, for all the supporters of Clare football. Time and time and time again, you know, we've heard so little, so many people knock the, knock the game in Clare, and time and time again, these players have shown uh, throughout this league, throughout the last number of seasons, that Clare can mix it with the best. We're Division 3 football champions in 2016, and absolutely nobody can begrudge it to them. Brilliant stuff from yourself and Joe Gary and Croke Park, Sill. Um, how do you feel listening back to that this morning? Thanks very much, uh, Oshin. Look, I'm absolutely thrilled. I think everybody in Clare is absolutely thrilled with, with what happened on Saturday evening. You know, as Joe mentioned there in one of his, uh, you know, in one of the lines that he had, like that Clare footballers 
they have come so close on so many occasions to a, a quality victory, a superb victory in championship looking back over the years. But on last Saturday evening, you know, Crow Park, it's such a very, very special place. And if you're going to win a national title, which was at stake on Saturday evening, Crow Park is the place to win it. That's what Clare did. And I'm absolutely thrilled for management and for the players and for the very, very loyal supporters that have followed Clare football all their lives. It seems like it has been a slow burner, although to many it will come. It will have come from nowhere. But you know yourself, people really only follow Division One, and then they might follow the counties they live in, or they might not. But for this Clare team, they got up out of Division Four a couple of seasons ago. Uh, now they're in Division Three, and um, so you know it has been a building process. It has been a building process, and I mean, in 2017, in Division Two, in the second tier of the uh, football league, it's an incredible achievement from a clear point of view. Because let's be honest about it, Ocean. You know, hurling is very much a dominant uh, uh, sport in the county here. Quite a number of lads are dual players as well. I know Pudge stands out more than anybody else, but at club level, for example, one of the best footballers in the country and the leader of Clare on Saturday evening, Gary Brennan. You know, he plays hurling with the likes of the Tony Kelly to this world and uh, you know they, they actually play it together and very very few people outside the county would know that but when it comes to the game of football this was their moment on Saturday evening and they've been brilliant they've spent the best part of seven or eight years in Division 4 and anybody that knows anything about Division 4 football it's an absolute landmine of a place trying to get out of because you know teams are so even they got out of that the, the wish after that was to retain the Division 3 status and that's exactly what they did but Colm Collins as manager of the side you know Colm is one of these lads that thinks no matter how good you are you could always be better an extra effort uh, you know put in that extra hour extra week in training he's always pushing lads because that's what he does himself he changed a certain amount of the backroom team again uh, last year Big Bohan came in and uh, David O'Brien usually, uh, you know, uh, one of those lads in West Clare that lives and dies for football, only a young lad as well. And he came on board, gave them that belief, but also prepared them for the road ahead. And the end result was that achievement on Saturday evening. You know, there's quite a number of young lads that have come onto the scene this year. I'm just thinking straight off the head, I'm just thinking of the likes of, we said, Pierce Lillis, Jamie Malone, an outstanding footballer, has come up through the ring. Uh, Owen Cleary, even his brother Connor, might be lining out next Sunday for the Clare Hurlers in Sim mm-hmm. Stadium in, in, in Turles in the Hurling League final against Waterford. But I think what Colm has done was, and I think this is what would actually happen in Clare if I had to be perfectly honest about it, Oshin, trying to get a group of lads to compete at underage level in the county is much, much more difficult than it is, we say, from the hurling point of view, mainly based on the fact that it's much more of a rural area uh, in West Clare. They're doing everything possible to, uh, you know, to get those group of players together. But where you will get players together in a county like Clare, and there's many, many counties like this, you will get them through the development squads where the onus is on developing the player rather than actually trying to develop 20 young players as a group or as a team, because that can be very, very difficult, and many counties will identify with that. So I would always say it's more important, in my mind, to develop a player for a career of maybe 10, 15 years, rather than trying to develop a young player to win an underage title. And, you know, there's no point in being a legend at 14. 
you're better off to develop the player and try and get him to play for 10 or 15 years at the highest level. And I think for Clare and for many counties like that, this to me is the way forward. And that's what Clare are doing at the moment. But make no mistake about it, and let's not pull the wool over anybody's eyes, I would believe that the people involved in Clare football are trying even further to continue this development. Saturday evening will be a step in that direction. In Clare, people might forget or they might not realise that it's essentially split in two and one side is hurling and one side is football. Has that football side now been mobilised? And you know, are they getting behind this team? Is there, is there a strong base to work up that is finally being tapped into? There's a strong group of players there at the moment. That's what is it. And again, going back to the likes of Colm Collins, he looks at these under-21 teams, he looks at these minor teams, and they take players out of that to develop those players. The whole county would be absolutely thrilled with players' victory on uh, last Saturday evening. Everybody is looking forward to new challenges in 2017 in Division 2. And as you know, Oshin, and many people... You know, you go up, you go up uh, from Group Four to Group Three to Group Two, and the standards is sky high. Yeah. You know what it is, and that's for Clare out at the moment. And again, their emphasis will be on improving, improving all the time. And if you pick up the phone to Colin Collins now, he will tell you only one thing matters, and that's Limerick in the championship at the end of May. Now, and a lot of people will fancy. Clare's chances in that game because Limerick went down to Division 4 Clare went up to Division 2 but you think it's a pretty much a 50-50 game I have no doubt whatsoever in my mind I have no doubt whatsoever because this is going to come in a couple of weeks time four or five weeks time this is going to come now you, you put yourself in Limerick's situation right now facing Clare and Limerick's record against Clare over the years has been very very much 50-50 Limerick were often at a higher level Clare at a lower level, and there was still nothing between them. Even this year in the Football League, you know, Clare won the game handy enough out in Newcastle West. But I can assure you that from this morning or from this tomorrow evening when teams go back training, the whole focus will be on that championship. And I've said it about two or three times since Saturday evening. What Clare's achievement on Saturday being promoted to Division 2 and Limerick's being relegated to Division 4 this year, out the door it'll be gone between now and and their game at the end of May, and it'll be anyone's game, mark my words, in the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick. And if they win, they play Kerry. Listen, 1992 was the high watermark of Clare football, beating Kerry in a Munster final. How do you compare this weekend to that achievement? Well, beating Kerry in the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick on that particular day was one of those super, super special occasions. There's no doubt about that. And you know, what? the only thing that surpassed that, believe it or not, Hoshin, was the trip to Crow Park, I think, for the very first time. Remember, the Hurlers hadn't even reached Crow Park in 92. So I remember that particular occasion against Dublin, All-Ireland semi-final. Such a special, special occasion. Uh, even the old Q's extent was there at the time. It was superb. How would I compare one for the other? I think the, the achievement of 92 was beating Kerry in a Munster football final. And until the day comes when Clare can repeat that by winning a Munster football title, I think it would be unfair to compare one to the other. Winning that Munster football title against Kerry is a dream come true for a county like Clare. Winning last Saturday evening is a dream come true for an outstanding group of players, for a superb management whose focus was on improvement all the time. And they will be aiming to, to go on to further achievements again 
down the line, 2016, 2017, they'll keep at it and at it. Hopefully, they will resemble something at the end of it that can send our memories back to 1992. And so just before I let you go, you'll be in Thurless next week for the league hurling final between Waterford and Clare. Uh, what's the mood like in Clare ahead of that game? The mood is absolutely excellent, actually, um, um, Oshin. It's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I remember one of the, the talks that was going on in the lead-up to the semi-finals, Clare Kilkenny, Waterford, Limerick. You know, if Waterford, to Clare and Waterford want to cash in the league final, this was some of the talk that was going on and all that kind of a thing. Waterford, people were thinking about it for 35 minutes. Then Waterford turned on the style and were very, very impressive. Clare Kilkenny, that took a life of its own, really, because uh, Clare knew and they always know that they have to perform against Kilkenny at the highest level or otherwise we know what the end result will be and that's exactly what they did. I'm leading up to the story of after the game I spoke to Pat O'Connor and I spoke to Conor McGrath and I asked them the question you know you're playing Waterford in two weeks time as it was at the time in the league final and four weeks later you're playing them in the uh, championship and both of them looked at me as if to say a different world altogether. And I think Conor McGrath summed it up best of all when he said to me, look at he says, not alone did we never win a league title, but we never even played in a league final. And I can assure you that come the day of the league final, there will be nothing but nothing will matter, only winning that league title in Torlis against Waterford. And that's the line I'm going on, and I think that's, the way the clear management, the clear players and the clear supporters are absolutely fully focused on winning the National Holding League title for the first time since 1978 was the last time. Pat O'Connor, Patrick O'Connor, who plays at, uh, in the half-back line for Clare, his father won two of them back in the 70s. I told him on that particular day, if he wants to know how to win a league title, go home and ask his father. And I've no doubt he did. They're absolutely mad looking forward to it. It'll be 100% focused on winning this league title on Sunday against Waterford. Still, I'm looking forward to Sunday. Granted, we're friends now. We'll be enemies on Sunday. We'll be friends again on Monday morning. But thanks very much for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk. Thank you very much, Oshie. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Paddy Mulligan, formerly of Shamrock Rovers, West Brom, Crystal Palace, Chelsea and Ireland. Uh, to name just a few, as always with us, uh, Rafti Allo of Team 33 and Off the Ball also joins us. Paddy, we'll, t- we'll start with Crystal Palace because we don't normally feature them, but they're through to the cup final. Is it, um, is it special when a club that you have played for gets to a final? Do you oh, kind yes, of feel a part of it? Yeah, no, you don't feel a part of it. You, you'd, you'd love to get an invitation. Uh, Chelsea would give you an invitation uh, for instance but uh, I don't know what Palace would, would do it's former players it's not just me just to, to any former player so it, it, yeah, it gives you a sense of pride when, when, when you see your old club uh, do well and, and uh, get, into a, get into a cup final um, they're, they're, they probably won't be favourites against Man United but by the same token it's on the day and anything could absolutely happen I kind of look at games across the water with an Irish viewpoint I'm one of these fans I kind of have to try and find some kind of Irish hook the Irish hook is there. Probably have a few there, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Irish hook is there with Palace, with Delaney. Yes, yeah, and, and it's great to see Damien Delaney at, at, in, in the twilight of his career. I'm sure he won't mind me saying that. He's 34 and coming up to 35 now at this stage. So he, he you know, he's done very, very well. And uh, what a way, what a way to, to finish off the season as well to get to a cup final and, and against. Man United, yeah. one, of, one of the top clubs in the world. Look, there's no need for us to talk about him and Ireland. That's just not going to happen. We, we will accept that. Have, so let's just talk about so. Delaney, the player. What impresses you about him? What makes him so good as 
I was going to say a defender, but he wasn't always a defender. No, but his reading of the game for for for, for, for centre half is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He's he, he's very 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 rarely caught out. I mean, if he if he does get caught out, it's because that his partner in central defence has, has gone missing someplace along the line. But Damien Delaney has been has been excellent. Reads the game very well, and he he, he wins tackles and he he wins everything in the air. He's you know he's he's, he's just a, a colossus, and he's got he doesn't he doesn't hit a bad shot either. Yeah, supporters don't tend to change over the years. I mean, the same kind of people will follow a club now as they did back when you were playing. So oh yes, there's no. What are no, the Palace supporters no, like? What kind no. of club is it like to play for? I mean, it's it, it. I I didn't enjoy my time at Palace yeah. because the the club was in a bit of a mess. Uh, being perfectly honest with you, at, at that at that moment of time, and also we were we were total failures at, at at Palace as well because we got relegated from the first division, the old first division, to the second division, to the third division in successive seasons. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Allison uh, became our manager in in seventy uh, three, and and Bert Head uh, went, went upstairs. What was probably politely told, what what to do and where to go and so on. So it, it was a, it was and I was the captain of the club, and it was a very very bad time um, for Crystal Palace Football Club to be relegated from the first to the second was bad enough, but then to go in successive seasons from the second to the third. Yeah. That was just nightmare stuff. That's when you really feel a failure in, in every sense of the word. And, and what were the fans just, like at that just wasn't Because they, this oh, is something fine. that has happened to Palace throughout history. They've yes. been a yo-yo club. No, the, 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 the Palace fans were great. Yeah. Oh, and they always, always gave the support and never, never, never stopped believing. Um, even when we got relegated, when we, we played in Cardiff, when we got relegated in, in, in Cardiff City that night, they were absolutely immense. No, you, couldn't, you wouldn't have a bad word to say about the Palace fans. They were great. Is there less pressure when you're playing for a club like... Um like Palace than there would be for Chelsea now I appreciate it's a very different Chelsea now to what it was then but we could even draw Rovers into this because No because you'd put the pressure on yourself as well yeah, Oshin, okay. to, do, to do well you'd, you'd, want to, you'd want to do well But collectively but, I mean when you looked at the other players do you see yeah, a different you'd, attitude? You'd, yes you'd be, you'd be, you'd be uh, And I was going to bring Rovers sorry I was going to bring Rovers yeah. into this as well because they would have been a brand club when you came over here they would have been a club that, that were you know a bigger club than, than other clubs were Yeah what, 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 what irritated me uh, intensely at, at, at Palace was the fact that I had come from Home Farm who, who and, and the teams I played for in Home Farm we were always successful we were always winning stuff then I went to Rovers we were winning stuff then I went to Chelsea we were winning stuff and all of a sudden you're faced with, with, with a real problem that is failure and, that, and that's what happened at Crystal Palace yeah. it's, it's as simple as that we just couldn't get things uh, together uh, some days we played brilliant. I remember we played Leeds United at, at, at Palace and, and, and we drew to each of them and it was a magnificent game. John Giles actually got two two wonderful goals, um, uh, both into the very same top corner of the net as well. Yeah. But uh, uh, that was a magnificent game. We beat Man United at at at, at Palace five um, nothing in 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 the in the old Fourth Division in December seventy two, and and I was lucky enough to go and score two goals. And and you think to yourself, oh well, things are going to be okay. And I mean, John said to me, oh, no, no way. After the the Leeds game, no way will you be relegated. He said a pal of mine up in Leeds is, is a big Palace fan. And I, I'd be telling them, no way. But we did get relegated yeah. because uh, the attitude probably wasn't, wasn't as good as it should have been with, 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 with some players uh, in, in the team. And these are things that you, that you have to go on and, and, and accept. And you complain about it uh, and you speak to them about it. But it doesn't do a blind bit. It didn't do a blind bit of notice. They okay. just don't, they just don't pay, don't pay attention because they're in, in a in a bit of a bubble themselves. Raf Diallo of Team Thirty Three and off the ball also with us. Let's talk about Everton, the other team, um, or sorry, I beg your pardon, who were who were beaten in the cup semi final yeah. this weekend. It looks like Roberto Martinez has gone out the door. Are we 
looking at potential replacements yet? Has anyone been mentioned? No real names have actually jumped out, which is the kind of funny thing. It's all it's all been it's unlike the Van Hal situation where there's always been talk about who might come in and usually the name Mourinho gets thrown out with Everton there's no real names jumping out um, but it does look like he is a goner there was even a rumour that he might have been or that the board met yesterday and that uh, they they decided to part ways but that doesn't look like it's actually happening but it's just that sense of stagnation I mean when he first came in their first season under him almost delivered Champions League football. He seemed like a bit of a visionary. I remember even one game where they played Arsenal, beat them 3-0, and he played Lukaku out on the right because he knew he'd overpower Monreal. But all that has kind of disappeared, and the one thing Achilles heel they've still had, they still can't defend. And it's the same problem he had at Wigan as well. They play stylish football, but, you know, you can't... You know, stylish football is great up to a point, but... You know, if you're not if you're not delivering results, that's a bit of a problem. And it's almost like rugby, isn't it? I mean, in rugby, you have a head coach and he gets the credit and he stands over everything. But he also has a defensive coach, and we've seen in the past for Ireland, for example, Mike Ford was that figure, and he did a wonderful job. Kurt McQuilkin at Leinster this season, wonderful job. Roberto Martinez kind of needs to do that in a footballing sense, Paddy. Maybe. Yeah, it's it's ironic too that it should happen to Martinez at, at, at both Wigan and and Everton, and the same thing could be said of Brandon Rogers when he was at Liverpool. And that he couldn't set up a, a team to, to defend properly, uh, which was absolutely crazy. Because different kind of characters, though. Martinez strikes me as the kind of guy, and again, I don't know him. He's a good talker. Was, yeah, I heard. Well, I heard Phil Thompson this morning on, on News Talk Breakfast. He says mm. he's a really nice guy, a really top guy. So he strikes me as the kind of guy who could take counsel, who wouldn't see it as being undercut to bring in someone to help him out. Rogers, maybe not. And again, I know I'm making that judgment, not knowing these guys. Yeah, the word the word is that 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 uh, about maybe six months back, the players um, had a meeting with him about the, the style of play and the way that they yeah. t- thought things should be organised. But obviously, somebody didn't take any notice uh, about things. And you yeah, have I to... Think, I think he admitted himself, didn't he? I think it was this idea that they'd go more direct because they were playing quite tippy-tappy stuff, which was the perception. And then, of course, they, uh, the players themselves, who'd been used to a slightly different model, having played under Moyes for so long yeah, as well, no. um, kind of wanted to go a little bit more direct, particularly for Lukaku, who I think feeds off that better but he needs, than, he needs yeah. an early ball he needs an early ball you know, not, be played, you know, not play having to wait but my, to make his runs yeah, my, big, my big worry and, and concern for, for Everton Football Club and for their fans uh, is the fact that I don't see in John Stones any improvement in the past year to two years yeah. I don't see the huge improvement that we should be seeing from Seamus Coleman for instance from a defensive viewpoint that we should that we, that we should have been seeing and, and and that's the big problem. Leighton Baines is uh, at left back is still prone to not getting back in, in the cover position. Just for instance, and that has never been corrected. So what are they doing from yeah. Monday to Friday? That's what I, that's what I yeah. would like to know. With their defensive coaching talk, that like even set pieces, they didn't put as much you know emphasis yeah, on emphasis on that, yeah. but to put a bit more emphasis yeah. on ball control and things. And that's understandable. If that's, that's fine. If you're first, you, 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 yeah. mu- you must have your first touch. It's yeah. as simple as that. If your first touch isn't right, yeah. well, then you, you just can't play. It's but simple. You know still what? got to play the percentages though. No. We're debating yeah. Everton under Martinez. We're probably debating the past, even though it's still in the present. Mm. Let me throw a name out there. Let me throw you a name that would excite me if it happened. If Doesn't this mean to say it's Jose Mourinho I would love to see him he won't Everton. go he's, oh. he's a Man United he's he a Man United to, we not don't know that yet not, no, he's, even, gone. Even he's he, Man United even if he didn't get the Man United no. job he wouldn't go to know, he, he goes for those kind of big no. jobs of big money and ever. Like, what, how many jobs is there out there for I'll him I'll tell you then? who he would have gone Real, to PSG yeah. can't go to Barcelona he can go PSG, to PSG are in a small time league yeah. They are, they're but they're, they're guaranteed to be in the Champions League they are Raf but I think he's smart enough to know that they just 
probably won't get up to that competitive level that kind of final four in the Champions League level because of the level they play at in France same as Celtic yeah. even yeah. though PSG well, if, he ha- if he felt for one moment that he could win a Champions League with PSG yeah. um, even though it's at a very late stage um, because I think he's United bound and, and I don't think there's any question of that um, but then he, he might he might consider PSG but it's a, it's a very very poor league the French it league. is, but new owners at Everton pump money in there. You know, Everton players. There's only so there's much. A good core of players there, and they seem to want a guy to come in and motivate and and organise them. I mean, lads, there's there's so much about this move that could be perfect. Give but me isn't, isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't it a sad reflection that that uh, 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 that the players need to be motivated by some yeah. new man? Why don't they? Just, why, well, they why, need to be organised. Why, why don't they? Want, I mean, they look motivated. Be organized, they look motivated. Be self-motivated. They just didn't take get your, get your, there's, there's enough experienced players in that team to go and get themselves organised defensively. There's Jackie Elka, who's been there for years. There's Baines, who's been there for an awful long time. Uh, Russell Osman. You know, the, all these lads are, are, you know, are, are still playing and, and it, 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 it beggars belief that they're not uh, going and organised. Or, or maybe they are and they're just not good enough. So as we're both, as that. We're both, not only are we not excited not Mourinho, about Jose going to Everton, not, we well, don't think it'll happen. No, I just no. don't think it's going to happen. That's no. why, uh, but if it did, Raf. Oh, ah, you're dreaming. Well, throw the cats among a cat among the pigeons. I like Rudyard Kipling. If just imagine if for a second, <laughs> come on. It will be exciting. Yeah, even if that's not coming across in my voice. I don't think you mean that, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> Lads, so I, I want to talk about happen. the Champions League during the week. Uh, Manchester. It City would be great. Could you imagine yeah. Klopp and, and Mourinho in the same city? Exactly. You know, it, it, it would be great, but it's it's. I can't. I just can't see it happen. I want to talk about uh, Manchester City. They're at home to Real Madrid in the first leg yes. of the Champions League in the semi-finals yeah. this week. There's a great, there's a great lads that that when 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 the league is gone yeah. and they've they've no chance of winning a, a, a league title, then they start performing and start playing when all the pressure is off. Uh, a, a bit like what what uh, um, who was it came out uh, um, was it Lescott came out and said after after Villa that's a, that's a load oh, off their minds now. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful, wonderful attitude to have. No wonder they're in the position that they're in. That's the type of attitude that yeah. prevailed at Crystal Palace uh, in, in the time that I was there. And that's, that's very, 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 very wrong. How do you see this game working out? Because Man City play on the break and they could catch Real Madrid out. They, mm-hmm. you know, Ralph, I think it was you who said to me that this was actually the best possible draw for, for City to get at this stage. Yeah, I'd be more worried about going up against Atletico Madrid because of the qualities they have. Particularly, they're so hard to break down and also they're dangerous on the counter-attack. Um and they've that kind of work rate on cohesion like it's very hard to penetrate them whereas you kind of look at maybe Bayern Munich and okay they have some weaknesses but it's still Pep Guardiola's team and you kind of get a sense that he'd have a good because he's about to take over Man City I'm sure he has a good feel for what their kind of weaknesses are Real Madrid on the other hand wouldn't be hard would it (laughs) well Real Madrid are still they're still tough and they you know since the Clasico win they've been in they've been in good form Uh, they were a bit lucky at the weekend they won 3-2 after coming back eventually after coming from 2-0 down but and okay they've got Cristiano Ronaldo they've got Gareth Bale they've got Benzema they've got a lot of firepower but out of the three teams Modric in midfield as well yeah those Probably Real, I would almost kind of go for as the team that maybe City have a slight chance. I still think Real will beat them over two legs. But It'll depend too how, how, how Silva performs as well for Manchester City. Yeah, uh, yeah, Toure is up and down like a yo You never know what you're going to get from Yaya. Yeah, wonderful, up, wonderful player. Up as well yeah, the, but uh, attitude. I don't, know why he was, I don't know why he stayed on the pitch. Yeah. He was, le- he was, he was left on. on. It was ridiculous. It was yeah. absolute madness uh, to keep him there with a big game yeah. uh, this week. Crazy stuff. 
how do you you'd see be, this game be, going? What's I'd, your prediction? I'd be, I'd be, I'd be probably going for Real Madrid over over the two legs. How much does that prediction change if Cristiano Ronaldo can't play because you know he's got an injury and Vincent Kompany can't play? Just putting those two. Well, I think that I think that 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 um, City City in, in Aguero have have got a wonderful wonderful player and 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 what a gifted finisher that he is. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, will will he will they get past the Real Madrid midfield? Modric in midfield could is to me is is, is the real deal, and and he could go and run the show. And if 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 City don't get enough of the ball into Aguero in the right areas of the pitch. Well then, City City could be in trouble. Raphael, I'd say their best bet is actually playing on the counter. Yeah. Uh, let Real have the ball because um, Real are lethal on the counter. So if yeah. you let them have the ball, sit back and then spring on them. City probably won't have much choice, but let Real have the ball. Yeah, probably <laughs> not. But it's try and catch it. Sit cohesively, sit tight, and yeah. just make sure there's no space for Ronaldo yeah. to run in behind or Bale do the same because they prefer to just run vertically rather than kind of you know. And I it's think, not like I, playing Barcelona. Yeah, I think that's City's big problem: discipline. Oh yeah, as in defensive anyway. discipline, as in you discipline. stay there, you stay there. Because Silva doesn't bother his head about picking up people, and you just walk past Silva, and he ah oh, yeah, go ahead. Yep. Sure, sure, sure. A uh, uh, company will pick him up, or okay. Fernandinho will pick him up. Somebody will pick him, or Colroff will come in and pick him up, which Colroff never does either. So that's that's a, that's the huge concern for City. Yes, City look great when they're going forward. And, and, and teams don't put them under any degree of pressure but how will they react when, when Real put them under under uh, I would imagine severe pressure see how disciplined they remain Spe- hopefully they will remain disciplined because you, 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 you know I personally would love to see Pellegrini go out in a high and, and go and win the Champions League not so sure it's possible though Speaking of pressure Pat Fenlon under pressure Shamrock Rovers playing tonight Monday we're recording this on Monday but this conversation probably still stays relevant regardless of result oh yeah um, Rovers very poor against Dundalk last Friday losing very 2-0. poor yeah could have been could have been an awful lot more and disappointing all over the pitch disappointing in, in defensively disappointing midfield uh, and there was nothing up front because there was no service up front and uh, uh, Pat Fenlon has a huge job in his hands now to, to get these players sorted out for uh, for this game against Cork tonight because this is another another big game and Cork will not be beaten easily down in, down in Turner's Cross. As a, as a former Rovers player, I want to see Rovers do well. Yeah. But uh, and Pat has, Pat has a, an awful lot of questions now to answer. I spoke to Stephen Kenny and Stephen O'Donnell after the game on Friday night. Dundalk will stay top regardless of what happens tonight. Dundalk top on 22 points, Derry second on 20. Then you've got Goa United third on 17, St. Pat's fourth on 16, City and Rovers one point between them. Uh, actually, they're both on 15 points. Anyway, my mm. point being that Dundalk seem comfortable leading from the front and that's what ah, they're doing yeah, they're, at the moment but they're, you know, they're a smashing team and, and Stephen Kenny is, 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 is an excellent manager as well I mean uh, with, with the people he's brought in Horgan, Horgan did, does very very well for, uh, for Dundalk he's absolutely brilliant for them he, yep. he gives them width and he gives them pace and, and, and he's a, he, he sees a pass and he's a very good user of the ball but no they're, they're an excellent team Dundalk and play, play good attractive football they know exactly what they're, every player knows exactly yep. what he's doing what the role is and you know you just can't ask for any better than that. They're a Stephen Kenny team. I think that's the best way to yes, sum them up. Very, okay. very, very much so. Paddy Mulligan, thank you very much for joining us. Raf Diallo of Team Thirty Three and off the ball. Thank you very much for joining us. Team Thirty Three. A out pleasure. Tomorrow Oshin. on Tuesday. Out tomorrow on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and of course, wouldn't be hard, would it? <laughs> well, Real Madrid are still they're still tough, and they you know yeah. since the Clasico win they've been in they've been in good form. Uh, they were a bit lucky at the weekend. They won three two uh, after coming back. Eventually, yeah, yeah after yeah, coming back. from two 0 down, yeah. but. And okay, they've got Cristiano Ronaldo, they've got Gareth Bale, they've got Benzema, they've got a lot of firepower. But out of the three teams, Modric, Modric that, in yeah, midfield as well. Yeah, they're, though 
probably Real I would almost kind of go for as the team that maybe City have a slight chance I still think Real will beat them over two legs but It'll depend too how, how, how Silva performs as well for Manchester City yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Toure is up and down like a yo you never know what you're going to get from yeah, yeah. wonderful, up, wonderful player. As well yeah, the, but uh, attitude. I don't know why he was. I don't know why he stayed on the pitch. Yeah. Sorry, why he was, he was left on. on. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was absolute madness uh, to keep him there with, with a big game yeah. uh, this week. Crazy stuff. How do you you'd see be, this be, game going? What's I'd, your prediction? I'd be, I'd be, I'd be probably going for Real Madrid over over the two legs. How much does that prediction change if Cristiano Ronaldo can't play because you know he's got an injury and Vincent Kompany can't play? putting those two well I think that I think that that, that um, City City and, and Aguero have, have got a wonderful wonderful player and, and, and what a gifted finisher that he is mm-hmm. but by the same token will, will he will they get past the Real Madrid midfield Modric in midfield could is, to me is, is, is the real deal and, and he could go and run the show and if, if, if City don't get enough of the ball into Aguero in the right areas of the pitch well then City, City could be in trouble I'd say their best bet is actually playing on the counter uh, let Real have the ball um, because Real are lethal on the counter so if you let them have the ball sit back and then spring on them City probably won't have much choice but let Real have the ball Yeah probably (laughs) not but sit cohesively sit tight and just make sure there's no space for Ronaldo to run in behind or Bale do the same because they prefer to just run vertically rather than kind of you know it's not like playing Barcelona I think that's City's big problem Discipline, oh yeah, defensive, as in defensive anyway. discipline, as in you discipline. stay there, you stay there. Because Silva doesn't bother his head about picking up people, and you just walk past Silva, and he, ah, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yep. Sure, sure, sure. A uh, uh, company will pick him up, or okay. Fernandinho will pick him up. Somebody will pick him, or Colroff will come in and pick him up, which Colroff never does either. So that's that's a, that's the huge concern for City. Yes, City look great when they're going forward. And, and, and teams don't put them under any degree of pressure. But how will they react when, when Real put them under, under uh, I would imagine, severe pressure? See how disciplined they remain. Spe- Hopefully they will remain disciplined. Because, you, 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 you know, I personally would love to see Pellegrini go out in a high and, and go and win the Champions League. Not so sure it's possible, though. Speaking of pressure, Pat Fenlon under pressure, Shamrock 